Welcome to the Artisan Situation Podcast. Craft beer is on the rise. No longer is it a niche product on the shelf. Consumers are more knowledgeable than ever about beer. For the first time in history, people have access to endless styles, flavors, and brands. It is exciting, but for some of the breweries themselves, it can also be daunting. Beer pioneers created new business models, brewing methods, and beer recipes. Today's breweries have to be even more creative in how they develop recipes and must think even more thoughtfully about how they enter the crowded marketplace for craft beer. It takes innovation and relentless effort from a business standpoint and quality standpoint to be viable. Diamondback Brewing, founded by longtime friends Tom, Francis, and Colin, entered the brewing scene as contract brewers, making large batches at other breweries' facilities and selling those batches in cans and drafts to the local Baltimore community. After a year of contract brewing, they set their sights on finding their own space and now have a bustling taproom in the Locust Point area in South Baltimore. To date, they're putting out some of the best New England-style IPAs, in my opinion, and are trying out new recipes on a weekly basis. Tom, as the head brewer, has faced many challenges on the brewing side, but conquered them head-on, and I really do find that some of his beers are really pushing the next, the limits of what beer could really be. Like any new business these days, sometimes days are filled with triumphs, complications, frustrations, and heartaches. But at the end of the day, these guys are just best friends, just want to have fun and express themselves. And I really do feel like they're hitting their stride. I can't wait to see what the future has in store for them. Next to the smokestack that sits center stage in the tasting room, I sat down with Tom to see what life in the brewery is really like through his eyes. This is Tom Foster of Diamondback Brewing. Listen in. Yeah, man. Ready whenever you are. Oh, I've been recording already. Oh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I try to sneak that in there. There you go. don't even notice. Um, So, yeah, you want to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. I'm I'm um, Tom Foster. I am uh, one of the co-founders of Diamondback here uh, in Baltimore. Um, I work on the production side with David down there. There's just two of us, pretty small operation. Um, Been in the business now, I guess, almost two years. Actually, a little over two years, I think. Um, But yeah, you know, just kind of brewing beer. We kind of do a little free-form action down there, just kind of Mm -hmm. brew as we go. Nothing crazy, but, you know, we like to experiment. We're kind of getting there. We've brewing for about six months, so still kind of trying to grasp what we want to be as a brewery, what kind of styles we want to brew. Uh, we're kind of focusing more now towards those like New England style IPAs, mm-hmm. really kind of going heavy on that. We got our house yeast, which gives those awesome characteristics. So it even almost translates into the other beers we do, like some stouts we get, uh, kind of give off that twang. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the gist <laughs> of it, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I noticed, um, early on you guys kind of fo- focused on session beers sure. and it definitely seems like you're now moving towards that hop side. Is yeah, that absolutely. something that you guys are just interested in? You're interested in drinking hops yeah. these days and especially New England IPAs? Yeah, I mean, for a long, long time, uh, personally, I really didn't like the kind of West Coast IPAs that like super, super resiny and just piney hop really didn't do much for me. Uh, and then I had like our first kind of New England style IPA that just East Coast juice, really hazy, good body, silky, creamy. And I kind of like re-fell in love with the IPA. Uh-huh. Uh, and David down there too is a big hop head for sure. So yeah. the two of us kind of like to sit down and, and try a ton of beers. Like we did like an impromptu bottle share last night on Monday night. So it, it kind of just comes out of the woodworks whenever you want. Yeah. Um, and we do that. And yeah, like originally as a contract brewer, you're kind of pigeonholed to 
what you have. It's you got a big system, you got a small system. It changes very frequently. Uh, it's hard to kind of nail down uh, an identity as a contract brewer. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of found ourselves in this this crux where we have to brew session beer because that's what's going to sell. And we we couldn't experiment on a ninety barrel system and mm-hmm. just hope it turns out good. You got to make sure it's going to be good. And, <laughs> yeah. and so you know you brew a session pale ale and yeah it's going to sell. People mm-hmm. will drink it. Um, but that's not what we want to do here. So, tell him to turn that down. Oh, no, it's okay. fine. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, David no. always blasts the music so loud, man. <laughs> it's like, like, dude, we got people up in the tasting room. You got to turn it down a little bit. And no, you got to have music on in the background yeah. of the crew, right? I yeah. mean, everyone's listening to yeah, music he, these days. He turns it up a little loud. <laughs> but, um, so tell me more about your guys' story, because, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm pretty well-versed in the community now in Baltimore beer. Sure. And it seems like everyone calls you guys the Maryland boys. Yeah. Like you guys are the, I guess we the hometown got stuck with that, Loyola that, that high school number. guys. And then went to, well, I guess, um, was it Colin who didn't go to the University of Maryland? Yeah, Colin went to St. Michael's College, like up near Burlington, Vermont, if you've ever been up there. Yeah. Uh, super cool college, very small. Uh, but, I mean, we've been friends forever. Yeah. Uh, I went to elementary school with Francis, so I've known him pretty much my whole life. Uh, Colin and Francis both went to middle school and high school with us. Um, so we've, yeah, we've been around the block, man. We've been friends for a while. Uh, and it's been really interesting to see how the, that kind of friendship relationship evolves over the course of doing business together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we've been friends for a while, but now we're kind of like friends and business partners and almost more so just business partners. So uh, it's interesting. You know, people always say don't go into business with your friends, but I think we have a really good thing going here. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a different dynamic, right? Yeah, it changes absolutely. the whole dynamic a little bit, but... I don't know. Sometimes it's probably good to hold hold your friends accountable on yeah. a deeper level, right? Yeah, honestly, it's good because like it's not just some random guy you go into business with. You can really kind of talk to the guys and and really just speak honestly, which is really important in business. You can't really beat around the bush if there's an issue or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, the three of us can sit down and kind of hash things out if we have to, and it works out pretty well. And starting a brewery, like you know, at you were you you were like 23 right yeah and when you guys started maybe you know right around that age that's pretty early on to just jump right in that kind of goes along with the whole hard to find an identity as a contract brewer it's also hard to find an identity when you have no money and you're 23 (laughs) uh you kind of just have to roll with the punches and go where you where the momentum is taking you and that's what we did and sometimes it makes you fall into a path you don't necessarily want to go down but you just go down to to move on with your life and you move on with business and and it was a way for us to really grow the name, grow the brand, and kind of prove ourselves so that two years later when we go and try and raise money or we try and get a loan, we kind of have some, some stability behind us and we have some numbers that we can say, yeah, this is a real thing, this is what we're doing, rather than just going and saying, I have a good idea that might work, I have an idea that actually does work. Yeah. So that's kind of where we ended up. Just kind of jumped right in, all three of you guys, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah well, we, basically, I remember calling around to just random breweries and asking, hey, you guys have any extra capacity? Can I come brew some beer at your place? Uh, most of them didn't really take to it too well, uh, but we met a guy down in St. Michael's on the Eastern Shore, Ace. Uh, he runs Eastern Shore Brewing Company. Very cool. small setup they have down there, um, but he's an awesome guy. His brewer, Zach, down there is an awesome guy. And uh, they just worked with us. They, they gave us a chance, and we went down, brewed some small batches, and uh, kind of just rolled with that, and then and we eventually outgrew them. They kind of didn't have room for us either mm-hmm. and moved on to Beltway down in Virginia and brewed more beer, packaged beer, and then kind of just kept 
going with where, wherever we could find. Just kind of go with the flow yeah, and exactly. see where it's going. And, yep. and then all of a sudden, we're now sitting in McHenry Row, yeah. Locust Point. The hot spot, um, man. You guys have been building this out. I was following you guys on Instagram. You know, you guys really documented that well. I thought that was kind of cool. And yeah. And then it seems like you did a lot of this by hand. It just takes <laughs> a lot of hours, and now it's finally here. And you guys yeah, are I mean, pumping we, beer out. It's, we pretty it's much fun. lived here for all of last winter, last spring, and most of the summer, too. So six months we were probably just basically you know sleeping here eating here doing everything here <laughs> uh but it, it that makes it all the more valuable i think because you can stand in this space here and i can look around the room and and see the things that we did like i look up we painted the beams i look to the left you know we laid the drywall so it's kind of cool to say you really have your blood sweat and tears in the space rather than just kind of having paid somebody to come in and do it for you yeah so and that's got to be another bonding experience for you guys yeah, absolutely and, man i'm sure by the end of it we all kind of just wanted to go our separate ways for a little while but <laughs> uh we, we stuck it out and we pulled through and and we got it done what made you guys choose locust point as kind of a home was it just i mean you guys it seems like some of you guys are from um, more northern of yeah Baltimore. From like the baltimore county area yeah but what kind of made you guys think that this was going to be a good spot is it is this kind of a burgeoning community feel? Yeah. This is where the beer scene is heading? Is it more uh, of beer scene or is it more of the culture of So Baltimore? I think the whole beer scene on like a macro scale is moving towards kind of like your segmented neighborhood breweries. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many nowadays that that kind of has to be what it is. You can't really be a big player when there's 20 other breweries in a five mile radius. So mm -hmm. being able to lock down a little segment of a neighborhood is huge. And Locust Point for us was kind of like this hidden gem of Baltimore. Um, it's very small. Uh, a lot of people are out walking around, uh, very neighborhoody, And that's what really drew us to here. We wanted a space that was accessible. It was where people could just kind of get off work. You could walk down here, grab a beer. You know, you get home, you just go out for it with your wife, or your girlfriend or whatever, and, and grab a pint. And a lot of the breweries that I see around here are kind of just like, tucked away in some random strip mall or some shopping center, or some industrial complex. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just didn't really excite me. Uh, I wanted something more than that. And that's what we found here. We found a really cool kind of dual level space. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to put into words, but it's basically yeah, like- Yeah, you look a, down through this window and you've got the brew system yeah, down exactly. there. You can see right what's going on. So it's on. a very unique kind of aspect to it rather than seeing it on eye level. Uh, and pe people appreciate it, man. They come in and they see it and, and they love it and they want to go down there and look around. And uh, it's just really cool, man. Yeah. And I- my favorite thing about the space when I walked into the tap room is the smokestack. Yeah. So, I mean, people who don't know this area of the town, there's definitely an old industrial um, neighborhood that used to be here. Yep, and absolutely. it's definitely being redeveloped for this commercial, real, you know, residential kind of build out. But you got this smokestack right in the center of the tap room, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, and so. it sticks out right into the, <laughs> right into the skyline. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Like a lot of people, when they find a new space, they're like, all right, I got to sit down with the architect and really lay this out. But we just walked and instantly knew what we were going to do with the space and that was put the bar around this giant smoke tower put the taps coming out right out of it and it turned out awesome yeah. but yeah like though this whole space this whole area has a huge history of industry uh, manufacturing it was originally a coca-cola facility um, and the smokestack was actually for their coal-fired steam generator um, so they used to just vent right out of it yeah uh, and then it was owned by Philips and they they did their packaging here and so in a area that's kind of moving towards residential and office, uh, we're kind of that little nook that stayed industrial, and we like to kind of keep that and pay homage to what the space used to be. And I think that's kind of a cool factor, and a lot of people appreciate that that come in here. 
Yeah, you're bringing back the old manufacturing yeah, idea again. For you know? sure, man. <laughs> what it? What is it about brewing that you love? Um, I, I mean, is it the is it the experimentation, or is it more about um, you know what what kind of makes you attached to? I beer? think there's two kind of layers that really drive me to brew beer, and one is is what you touched on being the creativity, um, being able to just kind of go down there and be a mad scientist for the day. Uh, I mean, I worked office jobs. I worked the kind of white collar, quote unquote, positions, and it just kind of wore me out, man. It was very, very boring. And brewing beer, you can do whatever you want. You can make anything. And whether it be good or bad or, you know, just some crazy, crazy idea you come yeah. up with, uh, you can make it be anything you want. And yeah, the other thing that kind of plays off that is you get to create a tangible product for people to appreciate. You get to create something that somebody's going to come in here, sit down, order it, and they're going to kind of drink it and analyze it, and they get to appreciate it in their own way. You know, like a lot of musicians create songs, and they always say, like, you know, I had an intention when I created the product, and then the customer or the person listening to it kind of has their own interpretation. And the cool thing about beer is people can do that too. Like you might create a product, an IPA, and think you've nailed this profile, but somebody might come in here and have a completely different perspective on it. And so to be able to give them that and give them an ability to just try something that they've never had before is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like you just described like the New England IPA kind of craze right there. Yeah. Like it kind of developed from a, an, a style that was had its kind of certain way and then it's Absolutely. been changed. And it seems like you guys have taken that idea and kind of branched off. Um, you recently had, well, I love your black IPA, the BAM. Yeah. Um, but, you know, bringing that style back and, and even doing some of these, you know, set, uh, kettle sours recently. Yep. On the, yeah, we cool. got one going today. Um, and that's just stuff we never could do before. And now we have this system down here and we can do whatever we want. And, I'm, you know, I didn't brew kettle sours before. We kind of just came down here and worked with a guy who uh, has some experience as a brewer. His name is Tim. And he came in here and helped us out as kind of a consultant. Um, showed us the ropes and, and now that we kind of have an understanding for it you know, we can kind of experiment on our own and, and tweak what he taught us and make it what we want it to be and that's just brewing in a nutshell man it's what you want it to be <laughs> yeah what well, was kind of the learning curve of trying to learn I mean not only did you build the system out essentially sure. but now you've had to learn how to use that new system a little yeah. different from the contract and then now teach um, you know your new brewer and and yep. all these other people, you know, what's going on? Is that, it's was that tough. a challenge yeah, for it's you? it's tough, man. And people always say, like, like how, does, how does it, like, translate system to system? And, uh, you know, like, you could bring the best brew in the world down here to this system, and he'd probably look at me like I have five heads, be like, how do you fuck do you brew beer on this system? <laughs> um, so it's kind of cool to, to see the, like, the kind of nuances of every system and, and what kind of changes between them. I think that's pretty interesting and our system definitely has its quirks for sure don't get me wrong um, but at the end of the day uh, the process is the same so you kind of just have to walk through it and, and learn what what's different what's the same what do you have to tweak here and there and and that's been fun really for us because we literally rigged the system in ourselves we put the piping together ourselves we all built it by hand and in a sense and it's kind of cool to see that translate to actually how it works mm -hmm. and uh, it's been pretty cool well, the benefit is you get to be in here every day and yeah. <laughs> tweak it every day yeah, and yeah, learn exactly. from it every day. Yeah, exactly. I have day. to stare at it every day, so <laughs> yeah. I better know how it works. It's like but... a girlfriend, essentially. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they all have their twerks, too. <laughs> um, what do you, you know, when you were, I think we're reaching this interesting stage in the beer industry now where, um, I mean, me personally, when I started 
getting into craft beer was right when I was able to start drinking. You know, sure. I've really only drank craft beer besides my early days of drinking Yingling in college. Yeah. So what kind of, how has that changed, do you think, the perception of developing new styles or thinking about beer in a different way? Like, do you think that that has had an effect on you? Or do you think, you know, just drinking in general, there was always this space for craft beer to, to be there. And um, like, I don't know, how do you think about that? Like, Yeah, I mean, like, I, I kind of have a similar, like, venture into the craft beer world, I guess. Uh, I didn't start really drinking craft beer until I was 21. Mm -hmm. uh, drinking kind of some just mainstream craft beer. It wasn't anything crazy. It was like Red Hook IPA. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> um, but I think the way it's progressing is that a lot of people nowadays, and, and kind of myself included, uh, grew up drinking craft beer. So it, it's not like back in the day where you had three IPAs, it's you have 3,000 IPAs. and. That just makes it more of a challenge, I think, on the brew side to be innovative and be creative. You have to understand that there's so many beers out there that are the same. There's so many beers out there that are completely unique. You have to figure out what you want to make. Do you want to be one of these guys in the crowd or do you want to push the envelope? Do you want to experiment? Do you want to create something completely unheard of uh, that nobody's ever had before? And if, if you can do that in today's world, make a beer that nobody's ever had before, uh, then you're, you're pretty skilled, man, because there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, and then there's, you know, there's definitely like being able to experiment, but also being able to do it really well and sure. clean and succinct and, and yeah. kind I mean, of in a pure... The business of brewing is repetition, man. You got to be able to repeat the, the beer if it turns out great. And um, there's definitely nuances and like challenges with doing that. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, that's, that's goal number one. Did... Um when you were growing up, did you ever imagine opening your no, own business? Definitely not, man. No. <laughs> did your family ever kind of push that envelope saying, you know, you no, could, you could do that? I'm sure my family would have uh, been happy with me kind of staying <laughs> in the job I had before this. Uh, but, you know, I've always been kind of a person to uh, just, just go for it and do what they want to do. Uh, I've never really been someone kind of just to fit in the mold. So I think in that sense, maybe I could have kind of seen something like this happening. Uh, but... Be, like a brewing itself, uh, I don't think I could honestly tell you that I would have seen that one coming. Yeah, it seems like it sneaks up on people. Yeah, it really, it, like, the business is just full of like, it's like ex white collar guys, you got ex chefs, you got ex you know, everything, man. It's like a, basically a job for transplants. Um, <laughs> I've never really seen anybody who's been a brewer their whole life that became one. It seems it kind of just falls into certain people's paths here and there. Yeah. And then you get engulfed in this culture and suddenly yeah. you can't leave anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know, no one wants to leave. Yeah, well, um, now, like, you have a taste of running your own business. There's, there's no going back, man. I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. It's kind of crazy. What do you think the trajectory of Baltimore beer is? Um, I know, I think there was always a strong, there's definitely always a strong contingency of breweries around here. Yeah. It's always been an industrial area. For sure. Um, but it's definitely hit this exponential growth thing. And I think you guys hit it right as it was, you know, heading up into yeah. that super exponential growth. I mean, we have two or three other breweries opening up now in just this Federal Hill, Locust Point, Southern Baltimore yep. area. So where do you see that going? I mean, um, I think kind of just like how I was kind of touching on earlier with the whole neighborhood kind of aspect of brewing. I think you're going to see uh, as more and more breweries open here and there, you're going to see the like the necessity to have a certain immediate market for that brewery. Um, I don't think, honestly, in the next couple of years, like you're gonna be able to open up these breweries in the middle of nowhere. I just don't think it's gonna work. 
unless you're putting out like absolute fire, it's just <laughs> not going to work, man. So yeah. I think it's really important to, to have that neighborhood aspect. And I think the people that are opening up uh, in Baltimore, you know, you have suspended over in Pigtown, you got checker spot over kind of near Federal Hill. Uh, they're, they're all close, but they're not close enough that they're going to cannibalize on each other, I mm-hmm. think. So um, I think for a little while, at least, until people start opening up in you know, the same zip code as us, uh, I think we're okay here and there. <laughs> yeah. but, but that, to me, seems to be where the industry is going. It's just that kind of small town, small neighborhood atmosphere. Uh, and I think it works for the brewing industry, honestly. Yeah. And I think another cool way to even separate yourselves even more is... Um, I loved your coffee set you just came out with. Yeah, that was um, good, man. Working with Order and Chaos down the street, literally, I mean, what is that, a quarter mile? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, they're really your neighbors. So, you know, really being able to showcase not only you guys, but also your local community, I feel like that, uh, you know, metabolizes this whole local community. Yeah, more for local sure. Engagement. And you see all these collaborations nowadays between breweries, between like us, like, a brewery in a coffee shop or just anything like that and I think reaching for opportunities to continue to do that helps bolster yourself in the eyes of people around you um, so people we work with um, order and chaos and people say oh yeah like I go there every morning for coffee like sure I'll come try the beer why not yeah so you know if you can play off that and you can really make yourself accessible uh, for other businesses and other breweries here and there maybe you know we work with a brewery down the street and make a beer like that um, just doing those kind of other things besides just the day in and day out grind yourself uh, can help the business exponentially. Mm-hmm. What kind of goes into making a beer like that? So, you know, what kind of was it? You thought about the style first, figured out what kind of beer in regards to the coffee the style. The coffee style, yeah. yeah. I mean, then kind of layered that coffee in, or was it kind of like you tasted the coffee and you knew right away I need to make a beer for that coffee because you liked it so much? Yeah. Well, so we had uh, like that guy Tim I was talking about earlier who kind of came on and, and helped uh, helped get us uh, up and running here. Um, he's a big cold brew guy. Uh, he drinks it like every day, religiously. It was like 20 degrees out, and he's walking down the street with a cold brew coffee. And uh, he had worked with it a little bit in the past. Uh, I'm not a huge coffee guy, so I drink it here and there, but I'm not like any every morning kind of guy. And uh, it was just something different, man. Like everybody does the hot side coffee. Everybody does it. There's not a lot of breweries out there to do cold brew coffee. Um, and I tried it, and it was. It was awesome. It's like super mellow. It's super. You guys blended that straight into. Yeah, the we tank. cold brewed it in like our little pot down there, and then kind of just filtered it right right into the uh, fermenter. And it's just it, it adds like a different flavor profile than you get from typical coffee. It's like very bright. It's very mellow. Um, a little bit sweet almost. Mm-hmm. Um, when you put it in, it's like almost kind of like a syrup concentrate. Um, I loved it, man. It was so good, and and the beer turned out great. It was very mellow but like you've still got that big pow flavor from the coffee which people really liked it um, reminds them but doesn't smack them in the yeah face. exactly and it's like sitting at eight percent too and it's it's just like kind of gives you this like easy ride into an eight percent beer which is awesome and then just going on to some other cool beers i, I loved your hot brothel recently and that's yeah. definitely going for that new england style ipa yeah I mean, man and i think that's when i realized like well these guys are going all in on that yeah i mean i think that beer was was a slam dunk for us that was our first time brewing a uh, double IPA and um, we had brainstormed for a while on the recipe uh, kind of just like making stuff and then we kind of took a step back and said we have our oat pale ale that we do and we have our uh, green machine which is like our standard IPA and I was like well what if we kind of combine the two recipes so we create like this oat IPA uh, that has this kind of intri- intricate layers of, of hot profiles that we use in both those beers and that's kind of what we did we just blended the two beers uh, 
bumped up the ABV to a pretty high level, uh, dry hopped the shit out of it, and I think that beer was, was awesome, man. That was probably the best one we've created yet. Yeah, and it seems like you guys are just getting started with the hops. You guys got a nice stack of them. Yeah, there, exactly. Right? And that kind of goes along with what I was saying is we're still getting our footing, man. I mean, we've been in brewing for six months now, so uh, I don't expect to be putting out you know, beers on the level that these big players in the New England game are, but we're getting there. And I think we have the ability to get to a level as equal as those guys and, and, and if not supersede them. And... Right away, you guys did cans, and that was definitely on the earlier side of cans. Yeah. Um, even your your stuff that you contracted out was that. Have you always been into cans? What kind of made you make that decision? Was yeah, that, I mean, it kind of goes along with with who we are, kind of as a culture and a business. It's just we're young, we're always out and about, uh, especially in like the warmer months. You know, you can take a bottle with you everywhere. You can take a can wherever you want. Um, and it's fun. It's something different. When we did it originally, there weren't a ton of people doing it. I mean, Union's always been doing cans. I'm sure Heavy C's probably had them here and there. Um, but in terms of, like, the small guys, we were one of the first people to kind of drop out those cans. And, and it's obviously snowballed. Everybody does it now. Um, yeah. Everybody does the sh- everybody did the shrink wraps for a while. Uh, we kind of have moved away from that. Um, but I, I just love cans, man. It keeps it fresh, in my opinion. It keeps that aroma in there, especially for those hoppy beers. You know, you crack that guy and grab the first sniff, and it's awesome. Yeah. And and do you see, where do you see you guys going? I mean, do you see you guys staying smaller, more focused on the neighborhood? That seems where you're, what your sense is. Yeah. Or do you see yourself, you know, getting big, trying to go for it? Um, or is it something that you want to be kind of more specific about, a very slow growth? Sure. Uh, I don't really see ourselves grasping to be that big player anytime soon. Um, there's just no need, man. I mean, we have a built-in market here. Uh, we're putting out good beer. So I'd like to kind of focus on that for a little while, focus on the release game, make sure we get our hands around every kind of style we can make, um, master the IPA, master other styles of beers. Um, And then once we feel comfortable, yeah, then we can reach out and try and grow. Uh, But for now, I'm cool with what we're doing, and I think people around here are cool with it. Um, Business is good, so there's no reason to fix it if it ain't broke. Yeah, you guys were busy here on Saturday. Yeah, it's slammed, man. It's every weekend, it's slammed. It's crazy. Yeah, and that's, that's the nice thing about having this tap room and, and having this exactly. smokestack that sticks out of the skyline. It's kind of yeah, it's pretty, fun. You can, you can look across the skyline yeah. from your roof deck and For sure, see and, and I want it to be like that, man. I want it to be fun. I want it to be small time. I want people to know who we are as owners. There's like five people that work here, man. It's not, it's not big business. Um, there's no need for it to be. Uh, we can, we'll get there, sure. Maybe five years down the road, we'll be the big guys in town. Who knows? Um, but right now, I'm just kind of rolling with what we got. <laughs> Let's go. Rolling with the punches. Yeah, I'm going with it. Um, what, and you know, what does it kind of mean to you to, to be, to represent Baltimore in the beer scene? I mean, to, you know, go to other festivals and just kind of, you know, it's definitely, it's kind of fun when you see a beer through social media end up on another part of the planet or another part of the country. Um, is it, is it, do you take a lot of pride in representing Baltimore? Yeah, you have to, man. You have to, you have to be proud of where you're producing beer in an industry that's so segmented and so focused on small time and where you're from and, and like basically having like a, uh, different regions, I guess. Um, you have your West Coast IPAs, you got your East Coast IPAs, you got your New England style IPAs, you got your Stouts, your Russian Imperial Stouts. There's just so many different kind of aspects to these styles of beers and, and they're almost becoming like, regionally segmented that you have to definitely be proud of where you come from. And I think for us, being from Baltimore, such a small place, there's, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of a small time 
in terms of how many breweries there are. Uh, so for us and for the industry, for everybody, rep, rep, like your reputation is so important. And um, not only to be from Baltimore, but just in general, you know, we want to be able to be reputable and have people say, oh yeah, Diamondback, I know, I know those guys, they're putting out pretty good IPAs now. That's really important for us. And just more on a personal level, what, you know, before you started this brewery, how do you think it's changed you? Um, what, what is this something that you might pull out and say, you know, you know, starting this brewery with my friends really did this for me. Um, yeah. Is there anything you could say it kind of? Yeah, I mean, I think just in general with owning your own business, it kind of really takes you out of your comfort zone. Um, and somebody who, you know, I was never somebody who necessarily like actively sought out opportunities to be out of my comfort zone, but um, it definitely just makes you uh, a different person. It makes you, you know, approach other people different ways. It makes you uh, kind of just live outside your shell um, every day, and and that's definitely one of the biggest ways it's probably changed me. Yeah, and you guys um, definitely when you opened up this new space, you kind of rebranded, and it seemed like um, it, it was it wasn't necessarily changing your identity. It seemed to me, but it was more about just kind of coming back out in a sure. in like a you know we're here in Logos Point, we're sticking our flag kind of yep. kind of move. Is that you know what was kind of the uh, idea behind rebranding. Yeah, uh, I think we really just wanted to, like you were kind of saying, just create a new image for ourselves. We wanted to really modernize ourselves. Um, this space is so sleek. This area is so sleek. Like it's up and coming. Yeah, the wood counter. Yeah. The, the smokestacks. Exactly, man. So I think our our new logo, which is you know black and white, it's very clean edge, uh, in your face, kind of just pops off off the piece of paper kind of pays homage to that whole new sleek design of the area and and who we want to be we want to be fun but we also want to be kind of professional here and there mm -hmm. and have this this image that we project onto other people and i think that that logo captures it pretty well yeah i mean it, it feels like it, it, it was almost reminiscent when you guys came out that i was like wow that's kind of sleek like the under armor thing. yeah you know, it's like exactly you know it's, i mean you're strong sleek. don't throw away from <laughs> under armor facility you gotta you gotta pay <laughs> you homage gotta, to that a little yeah, bit yeah a little bit um and you know, what what beers are you excited to start working on? Is there is there something you want to experiment on next? Um, yeah, so I think you know we brewed that double IPA, which was which was fire, man. So I think playing around with that base recipe and and really seeing how much we can push the envelope on it is is what's getting me most excited right now. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, every beer gets me excited, man. We get to sit down there and and come up with whatever we want to do. I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't have to you know play towards a customer, play towards a certain market base. I can kind of just do whatever I want. And so being able to brew a Goza, being able to brew a Red Sour, being able to brew an IPA, bring a double IPA or big ass coffee stout, uh, every single one of those gets me excited. Yeah, it's more about just kind of what you guys want to drink, it seems like, at yeah. that moment, yeah. I mean, people will come and drink it, man. If it tastes good, people will come and drink it. So priority number one is making good beer. Priority number two is is kind of brewing what we want to brew. Yeah. <laughs> so if you get your heart behind it, you'll definitely do Abs pretty well. Absolutely, man. That's that's the, the most important thing in this industry. And you know, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, like you know, developing this space. Um, you know, the whole recent label thing that um, happened. But it <laughs> seems like you guys have pushed forward and sure. just continued to stay positive and and even like you know do some really good um, things to. To showcase to the community that like we're here to stay, we're here to care about it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Man. What, what are like kind of, um, what is like kind of the thing that you would say uh, you're proud of the most 
for Diamondbacks so far? Sure. So, uh, I mean, people hate on you all the time, man. It just <laughs> happens. It's yeah. just the nature of existing in this world. <laughs> uh, people will love your beer. People will hate it. People mm-hmm. will, will hate you as a person for creating beer. Don't, don't necessarily think that's okay, but it's just the world it is. And um, being able to push through that and being able to be persistent with your business is is the piece of advice I give anybody who asks me that question. Um, I just say, you know, you have to be persistent. You have to persevere through anything. If you want this, you have to do it. And uh, for us, that's been the most important thing and the biggest lesson I've ever learned in business is that no matter what happens, no matter how low you get in your business, you can always push through it and you can always come out on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not gonna be the same, but you can. And for us, we've waded through so much shit, man. We've waded through so much bullshit here and there and, and it is what it is. Um, but at the end of the day, we're stronger for it. You know, it mm-hmm. sounds like such a cliche thing to say, but it's true. And uh, every day we learn something new, and every day we, we keep pushing forward, and that's the most important thing in business. Yeah, and uh, you guys definitely, like, you know, I walk in here, and I'm like, these are the, these are the Maryland boys. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely <laughs> get that vibe, so you guys are doing, doing that right for sure. Yeah, absolutely, so. man. Um, but, yeah, man, it was fun to make that goza with you guys today. Yeah. At least, at least mash in with you yeah, guys. Yeah, at least so. the first part, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you guys got a lot of sitting around to do. So yeah. <laughs> wait for that to, to finish up. Absolutely, but, man. But uh, thank you, man. Thanks sure, for, for sitting Thanks down. Thanks for coming and, out, buddy. Yeah. And, uh, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Always good to drink beers here. So. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Cheers, man. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, man. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in. If you have a chance, don't be afraid to rate the show, give us a review, or share the show with a friend. Like anything these days, word of mouth can make a huge difference. On the site, we have some new exciting pieces that we just published. The recent one with Big Hill Cider Works from Biglerville, Pennsylvania, one from Fieldless Plate Produce in Colorado, another with my friend Brody McAllister of Darling Quarry Farm in Sparks, Maryland. Keep checking out the site, and we hope to have some exciting announcements on the horizon. Our lead editor is Rebecca Shenton, and our music today was produced, performed, and written by Philippe Sells. Till next time, this is Zach Kaiser, signing off.